Girlfriends, episode number 79, Six Things to Say More Often. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week we're talking about the Momnipotent Study, the stresses of starting a small business, and six important things I think everyone should say more often. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? I've missed you. The last two episodes have been recorded interviews for the most part, and I feel like I haven't sat down to record a podcast, just chat with you in a while. So glad to be back here, and I'm glad you're joining me for another episode this week. I'm always happy to connect with you in this way. Gosh, what's been going on? I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in forever. Um, So I told you I was going to be in the 4th of July parades, which we did do. Um, that's the number one most exhausting thing <laughs> I have maybe ever done. This was funny. I don't know if you've ever marched in a parade, but I told you um, last week that we were going to be, um, most of my family that was available that day, marching in two different parades on the 4th of July to pass out flyers for um, advertising my husband's new business, which is an escape room that he's opening up in a nearby town. So pretty excited about that and pretty excited to get the word out. And so we had these flyers and we taped candy to each one of the flyers so we could hand them out to kids. Um, I think we gave away a thousand that day and uh, I didn't realize (laughs) that marching in a parade could be so exhausting. I should have known because I had a clue a few years ago um, when Mitt Romney was running for president, he, because New Hampshire is one of those important political states, he was marching in our little parade here in New Hampshire um, and he was like, He came up to us, well, he was first of all wearing like a full suit, you know, and he like ran up to us and the guy, the poor guy was like dripping with sweat and just like shook everybody's hand and then took off running, you know, and that really made an impression on me like, wow, uh, he's really earning his publicity in this parade. Well, we earned our publicity too, because I didn't happen to be one of the people who was allowed to just hold the banner and walk in the front. I was one of the people actually handing out the flyers and in places where the crowd was thick, you kind of got behind and then... All of a sudden, I was marching with old ladies whose political signs I didn't agree with. And so I was running to catch up with our family in the parade line. Um, But it was a ton of fun, and it was a great way to get the word out. So um, Dan did have his opening weekend for the escape room this past weekend, and it went great, actually. Um, You know, I expected, and everybody let us know to expect a slow start for business. And um, we actually had several bookings of the escape room, which was Uh, pleasantly surprising and we got some great feedback from people people are having fun we're really just working on getting the word out so I was super focused on that this weekend Um, but now I feel like okay time to shift back and focus on my regular life it's a little bit of a balance and um, it's a little bit depleting because I feel like we worked all weekend and now we're just jumping right back into the the work week. But it feels good to kind of shift my focus right now. Um, I'm fully happy to support Dan in his project um, of opening this escape room business. Um, But I also have my own obligations. And so during the week and weekdays, I'm focused on my work and we're working it out. You know, I'm trying to place it all in God's hands. And it's been a little bit stressful um, because 
life doesn't stop just because you've taken on a new major project I've discovered and our kids still need us and our kids have certain specific needs like there's one child that I'm concerned about academically for the coming year trying to make a plan for him and another child who's looking at college and trying to support her and you know, visiting and making those kinds of decisions and having important conversations with her about that. And then just the everyday stuff of meals and laundry and general stuff that needs to get done around the house. And life doesn't let up. And I'm not complaining because I do, I'm very aware of the fact that I'm very blessed to have the family that I have and that they're all home this summer. I'm trying to super focus on that because I'm thinking this is likely the last summer that all of my kids will be living in the house together because, you know, my daughter's going to be graduating college um, and my son, Eamon, is going to be taking on an internship next summer. And we, you know, that could be anywhere. And, you know, maybe we will all be home next summer. That would be great. But I'm not taking that for granted. And I'm not taking this summer for granted either. You know, just last night, pretty much all of us, I think just um, one of my daughters was missing. We're just sitting in the living room watching an episode of Undercover Boss. And I was just so grateful for that moment. We were all together and it felt great. And a lot of the big kids have been pitching in, helping out with um, starting up the business and lending their various talents and hard work to the different projects involved there. And I'm just so grateful for that. So um, I really, I'm, I'm focusing on feeling blessed about that and not stressed because I also have some elements of that in my life. We recently had um, a, a bill, an unexpected, pretty large bill. And I spent part of this past week in anxiety over that and fighting anxiety about finances. And I really... I've come to a place where I'm feeling actually at peace about it. Not that anything's changed or I've figured out some great way to handle it. But um, I really feel that through this situation and through others in the past that God is calling me to learn to trust in him more. And part of what I've been focusing on here is, you know, I know when we have anxiety and many of us, especially women, struggle with various forms of anxiety, whether your financial anxiety or about health or worrying about your kids or um, whatever, worrying about your job or whatever it is, we often do struggle with anxiety. And I think a big part of it is um, we, we say that we trust God and his providence, but we don't know how he's going to care for us. We don't know how he's going to provide for our needs. And without knowing those details, we're just left feeling anxious. Like we want to know those details because we want to control the outcome. Of course, you know, I know that that's the temptation for me. Like I'm trying to figure out how, I mean, of course, you know, we're not called to just pray and trust and, and not do anything on our own to help our situations, but um, just prayerfully trusting in God's goodness and providence and that he wants what's good for each of us. And then going about our work in, in that trust and with that, with peace and not with anxiety. It's such a challenge for me. And I, I know it's something that a lot of us struggle with. So I just wanted to share a little bit about that. And the fact that I've been reflecting on, and this has been helpful for me, reflecting on the wedding at Cana and the beautiful example that Mary sets for us there of trusting Jesus to take care of the details. That Mary, in that moment, the wedding at Cana, she saw that these people had a need. And all too often in our lives, we see a need, right? We women are very good at, at seeing this, whether it's our own needs or our family's need or something outside of our family. We see a need and we have anxiety over how that need can be met, how that how that person can be taken care of, whether it's ourselves or our own families or um, people that we care about. And 
in seeing that need, then we want to tell God how to fix it. Like, okay, so now I need this, this, and this to happen so that can be taken care of and I, I can be at peace. Where he's calling us to be more like Mary at the wedding at Cana where she just pointed out the need to Jesus in that very trusting way, in that beautifully trusting, connected, intimate way that she just knew that he would understand and that he would provide for that need. Even though his first response was, um, you know, my hour has not yet come. He was kind of resisting at first. She still just trusted. She knew he would take care of it and didn't, she didn't feel the need to take over everything and to know everything, know all the details about how he was going to do it. You know, she didn't start telling all the servants like, go and get this water and Jesus, you're going to do this and then you're going to do this and then we'll have wine. It, it's a beautiful example of trust in God's goodness, in his love, in his providence that we see in Mary there. And I'm working hard to emulate that in my own life. <laughs> working hard, <laughs> key words there, because it is hard for me. And um, I, I really, I do feel though that this is an opportunity and um, we all have many opportunities to grow closer to Jesus, to grow closer in our trust, in that intimate relationship, to be connected with him. We're all longing for that connection with him and yet we fight it sometimes by trying to know everything ahead of time, wanting that sense of control. So I'm working hard. At, at giving up that sense of control, despite, you know, life is stressful. There's always something, there's always something more that we're, we're going to be worried about. And I also find it's helpful for me to reflect back on other times when I've been stressed or I felt anxious and um, tempted to not trust in God's providence. So, um, and then look at the ways in which he has always, always, even in times when it's hard, even when it hasn't been the answer that I've wanted, ultimately provided for the good for, for me and for my family. So anyway, that's my little project that I'm working on spiritually. <laughs> if you have one that you're working on spiritually, I would love to hear about it. So you can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Also, this past week, um, I began my online momnipotence study with a group of nine women who are participating through Ascension Press, which has set up this whole thing. We're meeting once a week to kind of work through the um, eight weeks of the momnipotent study, but we're cramming the eight weeks into four weeks. So I met with these awesome ladies. It was great. We even had someone from the Philippines the miracle of modern technology. <laughs> I mean, we were on Google Hangouts and we were just talking. It was really cool. It was, it, this is sort of an experimental thing for me and for Ascension. I don't think they've done this kind of thing before. So it's been a great opportunity to kind of explore a new way of connecting. Um, and I love getting to kind of dive back into Momnipotent, which if you're not familiar with it, it's a book and a study published by Ascension Press that I put together that's really focused on the unique feminine strengths that we have in common as women, kind of highlighting what those are, talking about ways in which we're called to use them, talking about ways that we can misuse them and turn those strengths into a weakness, and just really sharing about those things that we have in common and just coming together and affirming for one another what our feminine gifts are, what our worth is, what our value is as women, uniquely as women, as a feminine voice in our culture, in our families, in our workplaces. I just find it so, it's so empowering 
empowering and it's so affirming for me, which is why I put together this project in the first place, why I felt called to do it in the first place. So it's been really enjoyable for me to kind of dive back into those topics and share about those topics and have the opportunity to connect with other women about those exact topics. So um, if you're interested in finding out more about Momnipotent, um, you can get the book on Amazon or you can get it on my website, daniellebean.com, um, or you can go to momnipotentstudy.com and you'll get all the information about the book, about the study. You can watch a, a little video trailer. You can see some clips from some of the video components of the study. So really a great opportunity for you to just check out for free, you know, everything that, that this, this book and the study is about and decide if it might be a good fit for you and for the, the women of your community or your parish. So I hope you'll check that out if you're interested. So today our topic is six things to say more often. I don't know what started me thinking along these lines, but I started thinking there are things that we need to say more. Like there are things we need to voice more, especially as women. These are these are topics, especially I think um, that we can focus on as women for things that we need to say, but also just human beings need to say. So things we might think about encouraging our family members, our spouses and our children to say more often too. So I've got six different thoughts that I'm going to share here. The first one is thank you. Okay, we need to say thank you more often. This is something your mother told you from the time you were like two years old. You need to be thankful. You need to say thank you. We need to practice gratitude, right? And of course, that that is part of what I mean here is being more grateful, actually saying the words to your family. Think about things that you take for granted because we all know, (laughs) women know especially what it feels like to be taken for granted, to be underappreciated, right? Doing all those little hidden things inside your home. I remember once I tweeted about... um, you know, nobody thanks the person who fills the salt and pepper shakers. You know, I was reflecting on it as I filled the salt and pepper shakers that, you know, you just, you take those things for granted or, you know, replacing the toilet paper roller, all those things um, that women, especially in our households are focused on doing. We notice those little things. We're working in the backgrounds pretty much constantly just to keep things at a norm. And, it's hard for people to see that and appreciate it. So a lot of times I think we women especially feel um, underappreciated or like we don't get thanked for the things that we do. And that's, that's part of our lot. I mean, I've come to accept it. I used to feel resentful of it early on in my marriage and in my family life that sometimes I would just get like, let it build up. And there's nothing wrong with pointing out to your family, the things that you're doing for them, not in a nasty, angry, resentful way, but just saying, you know, I, I did this and um, it's nice to it would be nice if you appreciated it or if you noticed or I'll do it in sort of a funny way sometimes like you know oh look how clean and shiny my floor is you know when nobody's going to notice as they tramp new dirt upon it but you know th- those kinds of things I mean so I think knowing that that it's kind of a nice reminder to us to be grateful to others for the things that they do that we take for granted because guess what that exists too you know if you're a mom at home which I was for many years and your husband works how often do you thank him for working how often do you thank him especially at the end of a hard day or how often do you thank him for getting out of bed early in the morning and and going out to do whatever he does Um, or whatever it is even if you're the one who works if there's stuff your husband does at home look for those things look for the things to say thank you to your family for because here's the other thing we know as women 
it's very motivating. <laughs> it's very motivating. I know if someone points out something that I've done that they appreciate and they say thank you for it, I am much more likely to keep on doing that thing because I know it's appreciated. And I, you know, that kind of just fills your, your tank a little bit and you, you feel good about what you're doing for that person if they're thankful for it. So look for ways to appreciate people around you doing everyday things that you normally take for granted and voice the thank you, voice the gratitude voice that appreciation for them. But the other part of thank you that I think women need to say more often is in accepting a compliment. Are you good at accepting compliments? Do you ever hear a compliment and just say, thank you? It's hard, right? It's hard where our first temptation is to reject it or to say something that's, you know, um, pointing out some other flaw of ours so that, and, and th we don't do this out of humility. We do it out of a sense of insecurity and ultimately I think a sense of pride that um, we are so focused on our flaws because we're prideful. And um, I don't know, it's some sort of twisted logic on our parts or something. I don't know, but I think it is emotionally and spiritually a very valuable practice and just socially a valuable practice that when you give someone a compliment and you mean it and they reject it, that doesn't feel good. And it's kind of rude. So um, giving someone a compliment and they just give you a great big smile and say, thank you. That feels good. That feels relationship building. You know what I mean? So it's hard, but I think that every woman should resolve to just say thank you. Someone compliments your appearance or your new pair of shoes or... Um, some work that you've done or a meal that you've prepared, just say thank you and then shut up. Don't say anything else. Just <laughs> bask in that silence, you know, and I, I think you will find the more that you are accepting of compliments, the, the more that becomes part of your reality. And um, it really can help to build your self-worth, not in a false way, but people generally, I mean, you know, everybody knows that there are flatterers out there. There are people who will say things that they don't really mean and whatever. But for the most part, when someone is complimenting you in whatever way, they mean it and they're appreciating something about you. So just say thank you. Appreciate that. So say thank you for the things people are doing for you, but then also just graciously accept a compliment. It's a very ladylike thing to do. Try it out. All right, the next one is an obvious one. Okay, Pope Francis pointed out some of these, by the way, <laughs> um, is to say I'm sorry more often. And whatever way you say it, whether it's a big fancy apology for something that you really need to apologize for, or if it's just commiserating with somebody, like, you know, in, in sharing in somebody's grief and somebody's loss and somebody's pain, saying that you're sorry, um, even if it's not something that you're apologizing for. But I think that this is a way that we really can connect as human beings is through moments like these, moments where we need to apologize and we do the hard thing. I shared on a previous podcast how in one particular occasion, it was really difficult for me to apologize to my husband for something I knew I did that was wrong. I knew it so clearly. And yet I still was like choking on those words because I'm a prideful creature. And I, I ended up doing it because I convinced myself finally that it was an important example to set for my children. So whatever it takes to motivate you, if, if apologizing is something that you struggle with, um, I think it's, it's something that you need to work on. It's not something to ignore. You know, I think sometimes, especially in our most intimate relationships with our, you know, our husbands or with our children, that we have a sense of taking them for granted and, oh, they know I'm sorry, you know, or you'll make some gesture that kind of means sorry. And that's, 
fine, um, you know, whether, you know, you're making up to them for something that you've done or, or saying something nice or whatever. But I think it really is important for us to speak those words. I'm sorry to own what we've done wrong. And it, it can be very healing for us too. You know, this is why Jesus gave us the sacrament of confession, an amazing gift. He didn't give us confession because he needs to hear our sins. You know, he knows. He knows all about them. He he was there. Um, but he doesn't need to hear about it. But we need to say it. We need to admit it. We need to say out loud those things that we've done wrong. And we need to do that in our relationship with God, but we need to do it in our relationship with other people as well. It really is a very healing spiritual practice to own those things you've done wrong. And I find that if you make it real in that way, and if you apologize for something, it does kind of cement in your mind that you're rejecting those things. You're rejecting that behavior or those words that you said that you regret, and you're much less likely to fall prey to it another time. Or you're much more likely to pause and think, oh, last time I didn't feel good after I said that. Or last time I felt really terrible and needed to apologize after I did that. And not that it's going to make you perfect, for sure. This is something I've been working on, and it sure hasn't made me perfect yet. But, you know, we're all works in progress, and you're either making forward progress or backward progress. And I want to choose forward. I don't know about you, but inside of our relationships and inside of our spiritual lives, it's important to speak those words, I'm sorry. Have you ever apologized to one of your children? This is a really powerful way to say, I'm sorry. I think it's a really important way to say, I'm sorry. And if you're wondering about how to go about a good apology, I did a whole podcast on how to say sorry like you mean it. So um, I'll try to remember to link to that in the show notes so that you can check that one out. Uh, just some helpful tips for what makes a good apology and what doesn't. <laughs> Mostly based upon my own observances and my own relationships and um, my own failures, as well as noting those of others when they apologize to me and what felt right and what didn't, the things that are truly healing inside of relationships. But if you haven't ever apologized to one of your children, it's not because you haven't needed to. Like, we all mess up, you know? And I tried to, you know, early on, it doesn't mean you have to be saying you're sorry to your kids all the time, but I think it be, can be very powerful if you mess up, if you snap at one of your kids, if you do something that's unfair, and we all do, to apologize for it. And I think that really helps. It sets a beautiful example for your children of humility, of recognizing, giving them that gift of knowing we all do things wrong. Even mom and dad mess up. And when they're very little and they idolize you, I think that's a really important thing for them to know. I remember one of my kids when they were very little saying to me, like when I was going to confession, what do you have to go to confession for? How could you have done anything wrong? And it was so sweet because in his eyes, I was his perfect mama, you know, and I think it's, it's an important opportunity. It was for me in that conversation, but also when we need to apologize to our children, um, to, to point out the fact that even, even grownups, even people that you look up to, even people who should be a, a better example, mess up. It's part of the human condition, right? So, um, so say, I'm sorry more often. All right. The third thing I want to say is that we should say more often, hello. We should introduce ourselves to other people more often. This is something that's kind of getting lost in our culture. It's sad. And a lot of us talk about like how we're always on our cell phones, whether you're sitting at the park or um, in the checkout line at the deli or whatever it is. 
people used to talk to each other. And I don't mean you have to chat it up with every single person that crosses your path, but at least smile, make eye contact and say hello. I feel like we're losing our humanity by not making those kinds of connections with other people. You know, just throughout your day, you run into a lot of people. And, you know, I like to think about how it was always said of St. John Paul II, he had this great gift for recognizing the presence of others, the unique presence and worth of each person that crossed his path and that he made them all feel truly seen and known in his presence, looking them in the eye and connecting with them. What a beautiful gift and what an opportunity we have to practice that. Maybe not in saintly perfection in the way that St. John Paul II did, but we can set that as our goal for sure to make every person in your path feel like they're happy they met you feel like you actually saw them and cared about them how often do you you know check out in line and you didn't even make eye contact with the person who's the cashier or um you know anywhere that you might run into somebody in a store or at your workplace or how often do we take other human beings presence for granted and each human being is a priceless gift and you know it doesn't mean you have to drop everything and, and cup a person's face in your hands and talk about how truly precious they are to you but say hello make eye contact or even um, along the lines of making friends too often women that I hear from who struggle with making friendships um, and they I hear from women who are like I want friends I want to build community I just I feel shy I feel insecure I don't know how to start and you know the best advice I always find is if you want a friend be a friend stop waiting for somebody to come and knock on your door be the person that goes and knocks on somebody else's door and tell yourself that, you know, you're doing this as a, a generous act, as a gift to the other person. Think about how good you would feel if you're longing for a friend, how good you would feel if someone came up to you after mass and said hello and introduced themselves and chit-chatted with you a little bit to get to know you and your family. Be that gift for somebody else. You know, stop waiting for somebody. Stop being passive about it. Say hello to somebody else and introduce yourself. I, I find that, um, you know, shyness is a real thing. And many women do struggle with that or social awkwardness or whatever you want to call it. But the more you force yourself out of it, however uncomfortably, and I'm saying this from my own experience. I remember in third grade, I was a painfully shy kid. I was super quiet, super shy. And I just remember in third grade coming home one day, and my mom still remembers this, that I came home and I told her, I just decided I'm not going to be shy anymore. And my mom was like, well, great you know good for you and that I mean it wasn't like some dramatic turning point for me in my life but it was in a way that I became aware of the fact that I was responsible for the kind of person I was going to be and I had an opportunity to change it if I didn't like it not like oh I'm shy and there's nothing I can do about it I can't get past that like I I recognized for whatever reason I don't even know what triggered it at that point in my my young life that I could change it if I wanted to. If I didn't want to be a shy kid, I could choose not to be a shy kid. And yep, it's about making yourself uncomfortable and doing the thing you don't want to do. Maybe making the phone call, maybe initiating the conversation, stepping outside your comfort zone and saying hello, introducing, making a connection with other people. So that's the third thing that I think you should say more often is hello and connect with other people. All right, the fourth thing that I think people should say more often is, you're great, 
or I love you, or I like you, or great job, or I believe in you, whatever affirming phrase <laughs> feels natural to you in whatever situation it is, we need to affirm each other. We need to encourage each other. It's way too easy to notice the things that are wrong in our life and in our relationships, especially with our family members, especially with our kids. Oh, think about how demoralizing it is if somebody, you work hard on something and somebody just picks it apart or just points out what's wrong, even if it's true, you know, or especially if it's true, the one little thing that's wrong rather than recognizing your effort behind it. I think we've all had experiences like this and we all know how deflating that is. Don't be that person. Be the encourager. And I don't mean in some false way. We all have good things in our lives that we can point out that other people do things that people do great things in our lives and you know we're, we're witness to some great accomplishments and some great hard work and wonderful efforts of the people around us every day so notice some of them say great job or you know uh, I believe in you when you see somebody that's struggling or you know say something positive and affirming and encouraging like I know this is going to succeed you're really working hard or you have this talent if you see a talent in one of your kids or in one of your friends say it out loud speak it to them because that's really empowering I know from my own life the times in my life when other people especially people in positions of authority whether it was my parents or teachers or a boss would point out something that they thought I was good at or that I did well that really super highlighted those things for me and kind of affirmed for me that I should be using those things, those things that I could do well. And everybody has things that they do well. So the people around you, you have an opportunity to affirm and encourage them in a way that might have a lasting influence on them for the rest of their lives. So I like to think about it as a very empowering thing for each of us to think, you know, I can go around and I can, I can encourage people. I can just be that little quiet voice of encouragement. Maybe even just sending a text to somebody. If there's something you remember from last week that somebody did well and you neglected to mention it, it's not too late. Send them a little note right now, just pointing it out. You will make their day. You will. You'll make them feel so good. And you will affirm for them the goodness about that thing that they're doing. You'll encourage them in that work. You know, like I said, when someone appreciates what we do, it really does motivate us and encourage us, you know. Um, or if somebody says something complimentary or um, says that they love us or that they think we're great or something that we did was great. That just, I mean, that gives you a high, you know, gives you strength and energy to handle even obstacles after that. I mean, we all know this in our own experience. So I, I want to encourage you to be that gift for somebody else. Find a way to do it. And, um, you know, I got news for you. The more you practice this, the more you're going to get good at it. And the more it's going to become a natural thing. And the more people will love you. People don't like the person that's going around, the Eeyore who's pointing out everything that's wrong. And I don't mean that you have to be fake. I, I'm, I want to encourage you to point out the good things that are real because there are so many. There are so many. There are so many opportunities all around us. And I don't care what your circumstances are. You have people around you who are doing good things and doing things well that you can encourage. And, you know, if you don't know where to start, start with your own family. It's going on in your own home. I promise you that somebody in your own home needs to hear those words, you're great or great job or, you know, even even better, more specifically than that, pointing out what they did well and how they did it well and that you're proud of them. So find a way to say you're great in whatever form in the coming week. Okay, number five. The number five thing that we need to say more often is, this is hard. I need help. I need help. 
oh, why don't we want to say that? Because we have pride, I guess. We want to pretend we can do it all on our own. And yet, God doesn't want us to do things on our own. We're meant to be a community. We're meant to, as a church, and especially as a family, we're meant to rely on one another. Not in a mooching way, but in a, a loving community building, relationship building way that we need to admit when we need help, we need to ask for help. So many women, and I've done this myself, uh, we want our husbands to be mind readers. It's sad and it's ridiculous, but um, I remember a girlfriend saying to me once, like, shouldn't my husband know when he's sitting reading, you know, his books or whatever it is at the end of the day, just relaxing. And I, who've been working all day too, am running around trying to get the kids ready for bed, wrangle them into pajamas, make them sit still for prayers or brush their teeth. And shouldn't he just know when that's going on that I need help? Well, whatever. Yes, I probably should. But do you want him to help? Or do you want to complain about it? Or do you do you want him, you know, if he's not noticing for whatever reason, don't expect him to read your mind. And you don't have to do this in a whiny or demanding way. Ask for help. Say, I really could use help with this. Or even better, outside of the situation. Because too often when a situation is going on like that and you're stressed and you feel like you're doing something all on your own, it's not going to come out in the best way. You're probably going to be a little snide or a little snarky or angry or resentful or sarcastic in what you say in that moment, in the heat of that moment. So maybe, ideally, address it outside of that situation. You know, maybe later that evening or the next day say, you know, at the end of the day, when everybody's tired and I'm tired and the kids are cranky and I'm trying to get kids ready for bed, I sure could use your help then. And I know you're tired from your day, but maybe we can do this together. I could get your help getting the kids ready for bed and then we can relax together. You know, something like that is a much more positive way of framing that. Um, or if you need your kids help. You know, I, I think that it's much more effective to speak not in an angry, emotional, demanding way when we're asking for help. Although that's always the temptation when you're in the thick of it and you're feeling resentful or feeling exhausted or overwhelmed and everybody else is just sitting around. But, um, you know, talk to people about your need for help outside of those emotional or stressful situations. Also, in your everyday life, people offer you help. I know this, people offer me help, you know, pretty regularly for things, whether it's offering a ride or um, offering to babysit, especially if you're going through a hard time, you probably get people offering to help. And I don't know about you, but my natural inclination is to say no thank you to all help. <laughs> I don't know why, because I feel like I should, I should be able to do it on my own, you know, whatever it is that you're going through. Um, just graciously accept the help in the same way that we talked about graciously accepting a compliment. It doesn't mean taking advantage of people. And very often, if people are offering to help, it's a great gift to them. They, they're feeling compassion for you in whatever situation you're in. And they're, they're wanting to connect with you. They're wanting to be a source of support for you. And it's a great gift to them to give them that opportunity to practice that generosity with you and feel good about what they're able to do for you. So admit it. Admit that you need help. And I know it's hard. But maybe think about an area of your life where you are tempted and your, your pride gets in the way. You're tempted to not ask for help or not accept help when it's offered. And work on that. Or maybe just pray about that and, you know, ask God what he, you know, what he wants your attitude to be toward that particular need that you experience in your life.
All right, the last thing that I think people need to say more often is nothing. Say nothing. <laughs> Too often, we feel the need to defend ourselves or to explain ourselves um, or to excuse ourselves or worse, to have the last word or to share our every thought and opinion. It's not important. Sometimes nobody needs to know what you think about that. Sometimes your opinion is irrelevant and you should keep it to yourself. This is something, this is a little talk I have to have with myself sometimes. When I'm tempted to offer advice, I have to ask myself, did that person ask for my advice? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe the important thing to do is to say nothing and just listen to that person rather than telling them what to do. Or in a conversation or an argument um, or a disagreement of some kind, why is it so important to have the last word rather than try to truly connect and understand the other person's point of view? Again, this is a pride thing when we start thinking about our conversations in terms of winning and losing, right? This isn't some business deal. This is a conversation you're having with somebody you love. This is a disagreement you have with somebody that you love and you share common goals with, whether it's your husband or one of your children or your parents. You don't always have to have the last word. Sometimes just saying nothing. And here's something that somebody taught me a long time ago. I don't even remember where I heard this advice, but it was saying, even inside of an argument, if somebody says something very nasty and mean and rotten or disrespectful to you, you don't have to respond. And sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is to allow the other person to hear their own words echoing back to them by not responding. And I don't mean by giving someone the silent treatment. Of course, we all have times when we're um, too upset to talk productively and it's okay to walk away for a time or whatever. But I'm not talking about some passive aggressive angry giving someone the silent treatment thing. I'm talking about not feeling the need to respond even when something maybe even very mean has been said to you. A great example is Jesus himself, you know, who was accused, falsely accused, and still didn't defend himself, was put to death unjustly, and never defended himself, didn't feel the need to have the last word and correct everything and repair his reputation. And, you know, he didn't defend himself. So why do you find it so important that you defend yourself? And I'm not saying this, like, if you are in an unhealthily abusive or emotionally, you know, unfair relationship or something, I'm not saying this, like, make yourself a doormat. I'm talking about in the, you know, everydayness of normal, healthy human relationships that are flawed, that are messed up in various ways, but inside of those, those kinds of relationships. So this doesn't apply to exceptional, you know, abusive kinds of situations that um, some women unfortunately find themselves in. So I'm not speaking to you, but I'm speaking to people who are inside of healthy relationships, healthy marriages, which come with their own set of flaws and come with their own set of disagreements and sometimes unfair situations. Um, that you don't always have to defend yourself. You don't have to always explain yourself. That's the other part. Um, sometimes I think we find, especially in social situations, or if we're if we're saying that hard thing, we're, we're saying no to something that somebody's asking us to do socially, that we feel the need to explain ourselves or come up with the excuse. And it's really very, very powerful to recognize, you know, I can just say no. I can just say, that's not going to work for me right now. And I don't have to explain it, you know, just forget about that urge that we have to explain ourselves or the urge you have to defend yourself um, 
or inside of arguments or disagreements to have the last word or just inside of everyday conversations to share your opinion about every darn thing, especially in extended family. Sometimes you don't need to talk about that stuff. <laughs> I find, you know, it, if there are people and everybody has people inside of especially extended family relationships that they disagree with about fundamental things and things that they might feel very passionately about, but think to yourself, is this going to improve my relationship with this person or should we just talk about the weather and how, how great their kids are doing in school right now? You know, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to share your opinion. So anyway, so those are the six things that I think people should say more often. Say thank you. Say I'm sorry. Say hello. Introduce yourself. Say you're great. Say I need help. And sometimes the most important thing you can say is nothing at all. <laughs> So maybe you have some ideas about things that people should say more often, or maybe you have something that you want to share about what I've talked about here today with these ideas. I would love to hear from you, and I'd love to share your thoughts on a future podcast. So you can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on Voxer. The link to connect with me on Voxer is in the show notes for every episode at daniellebean.com. Or you can go to daniellebean.com and click leave a voicemail on the right-hand side of the screen. There's a little tab. It'll take you to SpeakPipe. You don't need any special information or equipment. You just need to just quickly, you know, leave a, a little message. It'll record a message for you so that I could have your voice on a future episode of Girlfriends. I would love to have that. And speaking of feedback, I heard from Tracy this week. Tracy sent an email saying... Dear Danielle, have you seen Wonder Woman yet? I want to know what you thought. I'm thinking about taking my daughters and seeing lots of good reviews, but I want to know what Danielle Bean thinks. Have you seen it? Did you love it? Thanks for your podcast. It's always my favorite. Listen, Tracy. Well, Tracy, yes, I did see Wonder Woman and I did love it in many ways. Um, you know, Sister Miriam James mentioned Wonder Woman in last week's podcast a little bit and some of the powerful messages about feminine strength that are evident in the movie and I loved Gal Gadot I think that's how you say her name the actress who played Wonder Woman what a beautiful person she is first of all just to look at but I love that they picked her because um and also that they they made the character not sexy I guess I was partly worried that that was going to be the big thing which is as we know as women sort of the opposite of Wonder Woman sort of the opposite of empowerment for for females um but I really thought that Hollywood wouldn't be able to resist the urge to give her lots of cleavage or whatever certainly her outfit doesn't you know cover her a ton but it wasn't done in some sexualized way which I really appreciated and she's beautiful she's absolutely breathtakingly beautiful but not in a sexed up cheap kind of way which I was I was worried about you know um so that I I I loved and I loved that she was strong um I love that the women in the movie were strong. Um, my daughter, Gabby, who's 14, came out of there talking about just how impressive it was. These beautiful, strong females, you know, physically just astonishing on the screen. Um, and that was great. I love that because, you know, especially me, being a, a female whose body tends to want to be muscular, I appreciated Hollywood showing some muscle on females on the screen, whereas usually what we're seeing are these people with, like, you know, no muscle, no fat, just, like, skin and bones, super skinny, um, you know, that's the, the popular Hollywood look, so much so that many actresses are struggling with eating disorders and whatnot. So 
definitely appreciated seeing healthy, beautiful, strong women on the screen, and that that held up as an ideal. Um, but maybe not the the best ideal because I think that most women aren't going to ever look like that either, you know. But this is superheroes, you know. This is supposed to be fantasy, and I can appreciate that. And I appreciate it in the story, um, Wonder Woman's particular femininity that they didn't shy away from and the fact that uh the movie really highlighted her her womanly attributes as a uh, you know compassion and sensitivity to others seeing the need in others and and refusing to walk away from it um and kind of contrasted that with the male response beautifully done and really just a, a very powerful message and you know just to see that scene where she's um walking through that battle scene um no man's land i think it was called where she's just walking across this battlefield and what a great scene what a powerful thing i mean you know I, nobody could see that and not just feel awesome you know <laughs> and really enjoy it it was just and it was beautiful too just the coloring of the movie and all of that for sure there are there are little flaws in the plot and in various characters that stood out to me but whatever it's a superhero movie and i loved it for all of those things um the one thing i will say that was disappointing to me was why does there have to be a naked man scene in it why <laughs> you know i'm there with my three daughters and we wanted to enjoy a movie um about wonder woman we don't need a naked man. And um, so for those of you who haven't seen it, there is what feels like a really prolonged scene. I mean, you don't, there's no full frontal or anything going on like that, but a fully naked man, um, you know, covering up just barely for what felt like a really long time as I'm sitting there in the theater with my daughters thinking, oh my gosh, thank goodness we didn't come with Dan because he would be marching all of us out of the theater right now that it was bad and so unnecessary, you know, easily could have had the movie without that. I didn't think it added anything and thing. I, I, of course, I think it detracted, um, but also I think it was meant to be funny and I think it fell flat. So whatever. I didn't appreciate a naked man scene stuck in the middle of the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman movie, but there you have it. <laughs> Hollywood did mess it up in some way, but for the most part, I really do recommend it. Um, just with that caveat that, you know, be prepared to, if, if that's something that is going to upset you or that you want to be sure to shield your children from that, uh, be prepared that that scene does exist in the movie and it's completely unnecessary. And it, it really did, you know, I came away kind of not feeling so great about the movie, even though it had all those other great elements. Um, I didn't feel like I could go around and tell everybody, hey, you totally need to go see this movie. And it was because of that scene. So unfortunately, um, but anyway, you, you can decide for yourself, Tracy. I, if you and your daughters go, I would love to hear what you thought, um, uh, not just about that scene, but <laughs> about the movie as a whole. You can email me. Others of you who have seen Wonder Woman and have opinions or thoughts to share, I'd love to hear from you too. Email me, danielle at daniellebean.com or go to daniellebean.com and leave me some voice feedback. Okay, so some places that I will be. I'm actually kind of on a little break from traveling around speaking right now. But one place that I'm going to be uh, next week on July 18th, I'm going to be at Catholic TV 
hosting, guest hosting on This Is The Day, which is their popular live talk show that's on twice a week. So um, that's next week on Tuesday, July 18th at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. You can check it out live if you get Catholic TV. You can check it out live online at catholictv.com. But I'm going to be hosting live there with Bishop Robert Reed. So pretty excited to do that. I haven't, I've been a guest on this show, but I haven't hosted it before. So pretty excited to try that out and you'll have to watch and see how I do. But for those of you who might be interested in having me come speak at your parish or at your women's group, um, you can go to daniellebean.com forward slash speaking and get information about how to have me come speak to your parish or your group or at your conference. I would love the opportunity to come out and meet you and um, be a part of your event. Or if you're interested in the You're Worth It retreat, I've got a few that are lined up for the fall and early of 2018. Can't believe I'm already making plans that far ahead. Um, um, but, you know, if you're in the process of planning out your, your parish calendar, if you're part of a group, or even if you've never done this kind of thing before, I, I have loved working with women who've never put on any kind of event before and um, just pull it together in their parish. If you're interested in finding out more about the You're Worth It retreat, which is four hours of content and, um, you know, we we can vary it and customize it to fit the needs of the women in your parish or your community or part of your women's group. You can find more information about that at daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. You can get all the information there and there's a little form you can fill out to get more information. Or if you're not familiar with my book, You're Worth It, I'll be happy to send you a copy completely free so that you can check it out and see if the themes of the book might be a good fit for you to have the retreat come to your parish or your community. Again, daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. And I want to take this time to thank all of you who support the Girlfriends Podcast through Patreon. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, Patreon is a simple system that allows you to pledge as little as a dollar per episode to show your appreciation and give very serious physical financial support to the production of Girlfriends. It really encourages me to continue to produce the show week after week. And one benefit of being a Patreon supporter is that you get an invitation to participate in our monthly video chats that I call Girlfriends Live. And I'd love for you to be a part of that. So you can go to Patreon patreon.com forward slash girlfriends to find out more about how you can encourage the production of this podcast. I also want to thank Ascension Press for partnering with me to bring you this podcast. You can check out all of their podcasts and other cool videos and media that will entertain and inspire and educate you about your faith at ascensionpresents.com. And finally, thank you for being here. Thank you just for showing up, for listening to what I have to share week after week. I know everyone is busy and we have to be discerning about the ways in which we'll spend our time. So I really, truly do appreciate the fact that you take the time to listen to what I share here and connect with me in this way at Girlfriends. Thanks for being a part of what I do. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth. Find your joy.